This is not a regular Quarantine Dailies episode. While much of the world is still quarantining, many, including myself, have taken to the streets protesting the killing of George Floyd, protesting police brutality, and demanding equality of life and opportunity for all, but black lives in particular. More than anything, these events are making it crystal clear how there is consistent prejudice deeply embedded in white culture, systems, and narratives. Today, I take a break from the regular interviews to explore my own coming to terms with how much I have let slip, how much I, a white European living in America, how I, a self-professed international, educated, and culturally diverse person, how unaware I am of my own cultural background. It's a weave of personal stories, facts and history that paint a clearer picture of our reality today. Black lives matter. It's undeniable. But for at least 500 years, white Europeans thought very differently. They thought black lives were theirs to command. And for as much as I like to think I know about history, I did not know one specific detail. The arrival of black slaves to Europe can be traced back to a very specific date. In 1444, the first 200 captured black slaves arrived to Lagos, in the heart of Algarve, the south coast of Portugal. I am Portuguese, and I did not know that. I know Portugal was a pioneer in transatlantic slave trade, but the American continent was only really discovered in 1492. This is 50 years before the world transatlantic even makes sense that we're talking about. But there are many other things that I clearly did not know. I did not know that Infant Don Henrique, Prince Henry the Navigator, was there when those first slaves arrived to Lagos. Let me put this into context. In his time, Prince Henry was like a Portuguese Elon Musk, and I really mean it. Just like Musk wants to get into space and colonize Mars. Prince Henry saw an incomplete world map and sent expedition after expedition to discover new places, colonize those that he found. He was a fascinating man. He directly led to the launch of the discovery period and to the development of brand new navigation technology that allowed transatlantic travel to even be a thing. This man and what he pushed for firmly secured Portugal's place in world history and allowed the Portuguese empire to come to being and become one of the greatest economic powers for a few centuries. But on that day in 1444, he was also receiving one-fifth in commission on the sale of each and every slave. 20% of the value that the market was placing on black lives. And in his mind... He genuinely and firmly believed he was saving the souls of the slaves. I did not know this either. That one of the greatest Portuguese heroes was also one to help make slavery into a global, profitable market. And that he personally benefited from it. In fact, I am certain most other fellow Portuguese do not know this. How, how much of our glory era that we are so proud of, how much of the success 
on so many of our heroes of that period was rooted on the exploitation of black lives. Henry the Navigator died in 1460, but his legacy was actually much greater than I could have imagined. Fast forward nearly 160 years to the year before the Mayflower brought the pilgrims to what would become the United States. Let's go to a place called Point Comfort in Virginia. They say our people were born on the water. When it occurred, no one can say for certain. Perhaps it was in the second week or the third, but surely by the fourth, when they had not seen their land or any land for so many days that they lost count. It was after the fear had turned to despair and the despair to resignation and the resignation gave way, finally, to resolve. They knew then that they would not hug their grandmothers again, or share a laugh with a cousin during his nuptials, or sing their baby softly to sleep with the same lullabies that their mothers had once sung to them. The teal eternity of the Atlantic Ocean had severed them so completely that it was as if nothing had ever existed before, that everything they ever knew had simply vanished from the earth. Some could not bear the realization. They heaved themselves over the walls of wooden ships to swim one last time with the ancestors. Others refused to eat, mouths clamped shut until their hearts gave out. But in the suffocating hull of a ship called the White Lion, bound for where they did not know, those who refused to die understood that the men and women chained next to them in the dark were no longer strangers. They had been forged in trauma. They had been made black by those who believed themselves to be white. And where they were headed, Black equals slave. So these were their people now. This was only the start of a fantastic podcast by the New York Times called 1619. It's short, it's intense and real. Look it up and listen, it's completely worth it. I did not know about the white lion. I did not know that the first African slaves in what would become the USA could be pinpointed to a particular location, a particular spot on the American map, and a particular ship, the White Lion, one year before the Mayflower, one year before the Pilgrims. I became curious about the White Lion, the ship that brought those very first Africans to the continent, and I found out they were originally kidnapped by Portuguese colonial forces. Portuguese who sent captured members of the native Congo and Dongo kingdoms on a forced march to the port of Luanda, the capital of modern-day Angola. The very first slaves in the American colonies were captured by Portuguese. They came from Portuguese colonies. I, I did not know that. From Angola, Luanda, they were 
ordered on the slave ship San Juan Bautista, which was supposed to go to New Spain as modern-day Mexico. About 150 of the 300 slaves on board the ship died in the crossing, which was completely common at the time. And as it was about to reach its destination, it gets approached by two privateer ships, which is to say just legal pirates. And he steals 60 of the slaves. It's uh, one of these, the, the white lion, that trades some slaves for food in August 20, 1619. Two of the Africans who arrived aboard the White Lion in 1619, two of them became servants of Captain William Tucker, the commander of Point Comfort. They were called Antonio and Isabel. Antonio and Isabel. Two very Portuguese names, even today. Just saying them out loud gives me the chills. Portugal's own history here clearly intersects directly with America's own racist history. I did not know that. But once you know what to look for, there are more hints around. Like the largest high-security jail in the whole of North America. People call it Angola. Angola, like the ex-Portuguese colony in Africa. Angola, like the region from which the first Africans to come to what would become America were from. Angola, like the same place from which Antonio and Isabel boarded that ship. Portugal traded millions of African slaves over the course of those centuries. We are taught in Portuguese schools that we abolished slavery between 1761 and 1777, a century before the USA did so. And indeed, we, we did, but only within our own borders. We kept allowing the very profitable slave trading business to continue, and slavery actually continued in Portuguese colonies. In fact, Portugal kept being one of the leaders in transatlantic slave trade all the way to the 19th century. I knew we were good at transatlantic slave trading. I did not realize we did it until that late. We are taught how much gentler we were than other European counterparts. We are taught about the mechanics of slave trade, but not about its social and cultural impact. It was not until I visited the Slavery Museum in Liverpool in the UK that I finally began to understand. We destroyed whole cultures, completely wiped them out of existence, forever. This is not an exaggeration. Whole tribes and regions in Africa were emptied out through slavery. Their history, their stories were never written down. They were oral cultures. So when every single member of those tribes are taken away, decimated, then split across multiple places in Europe and the Americas, that culture is gone forever. On the other hand, that explains how most African Americans, when asked to trace back their heritage in school, they can't even know where to begin. Slavery destroyed their history too, literally uprooted them. As Nicole from the New York Times was saying, their story, their background, their history was born in the water, somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic. 
This is just a tip of slavery's impact. But shouldn't we teach this more? Shouldn't we make it clear that so much of our wealth, both Portuguese and American and, and, and European, so, so much of the buildings we erected, so much of our history was at the direct expense of black lives? That some of our heroes directly made money out of it? And I'm, I'm not bringing this up because I feel like it's my fault. I don't personally feel guilty about it. Neither do I believe that anyone in Portugal today should bear any blame for this, or, or in Britain, or... But shouldn't, shouldn't we at the very least be good at engaging in conversations about it? At discussing this impact and how we see it today? I got up with an old friend who traveled through most of Latin America over the last year. She's called Teresa. It's a conversation that is coming up as part of Quarantine Daily's interviews. And I discussed this very topic with her. You know, coming from Portugal and Spain, the idea that you have is that we were amazing conquerors. We were conquerors. We conquered the world. We had a huge and beautiful empire. But they never, they never talked to us at school about the cost of mm. it. And it's when you, it's when you go there, it's, it's when you, you actually listen to someone talk about it, that you feel terribly uncomfortable for, I mean, the first time I heard about, or first time I heard about it, you, you, you think about it, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's not like we were complete ignorance, yeah. but everywhere you go, you'd have reference to that. And it was never mm -hmm. a positive reference yeah. because it's not like they brought education or they brought, mm -hmm. they brought religion. Mm -hmm. a very fanatic religion they brought death they brought slaves in certain parts of latin america obviously where it was easier for them to i mean portuguese portuguese were one of the major major flavors in in in, in south america was brazil and the bahia area but you just have to you just have to shut up and listen mm -hmm. to what they have to tell you and i was uncomfortable most of the times I was uncomfortable most of the times because it's, uh, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to mm -hmm. do. I didn't know how I could, as myself, as an individual, how I could now, you know, make up to everything that was done to them. Mm -hmm. How can I make up to that? Well, I can make it up out of respect, sharing their stories, sharing their knowledge, sharing their, 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 their beliefs, because it is beautiful to see and hear and it is beautiful to be in a celebration a real celebration i mean everywhere you go there's tourist attractions and you know <laughs> yeah. you know you, you you have someone lighting a candle in the middle of the street or you know whatever but but to, to actually be in a real honest celebration that was that was beautiful that was that was very important but it does make you uncomfortable and mm. for me as a portuguese i mean i've i've I was living in, in Spain for nine years, so I kind of feel myself as, you know, a mix between Portuguese and Spanish, right? But I did feel specifically and especially uncomfortable in Portugal because that's where my education in Portugal, in Brazil, because the education that I received in school mm. was not the same as I read, learned and understood once in Brazil. Yeah. You know, and uh, isn't it crazy like how that's it's still so pervasive, 
right? That like this, this clear distinction of how history is taught, how, how we think of ourselves and how we think of patriotism as well, like everything that comes with it, right? Like, and exactly. Yeah, exactly. because, you know, how can you, like, if, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I, how can you be proud of something and then just, and then you have, you, I, if you want to be that proud about being any particular nationality, you have to ignore so much exactly. of it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it's, uh, it's very complicated for, for, for Europeans to actually understand that because mm. how can, how, how are you going to teach in schools back in Portugal that what we did wasn't that great? Yeah. What we how, did wasn't yeah. that good. How are you going to you know, explain think- that the moment in history where Portugal and Spain were two of the richest countries and empires in the world was actually the moment where we did the most damage to other cultures? To the and world. It, it, exactly. To the world. It's exactly the same moment. And it's, there's no... And exactly. so... And so that is, yeah, it's interesting because if you shield children, then you, you know, it, it just can cause so many more issues, which is a whole fascinating topic. And I think we're <laughs> feeling a lot of those consequences <laughs> of similar things, not oh, the yeah. same, but here. We are. Uh, Why bring this up? Why dig this up? I have asked myself the same question. I've had my own doubts. I have chosen to focus on Portugal and its intersection with America because that's what personally resonated with me. Because Portugal is where I'm from. Because America is where I live. Because it was a gaping hole in my knowledge and understanding that I was blissfully unaware of. But this kind of history, in one way or another, exists in virtually every culture. I don't feel guilty for the actions of my forefathers for the simple reason that I had absolutely no say in any of that. But I am responsible for my own actions, understanding my own prejudices, and most of all, I am fully responsible for my own contributions to society. Learning history provides context to our daily lives. As Mr. Twain said, history may not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I bring this up because there is a lot to unpack here about applying this history to our present realities. I would not have discovered so much in such little time if it were not for the most recent Black Lives Matter movement, if I hadn't participated in protests. Because the truth is, all of this was really easy to find everywhere. This is essential history to understand. This is the history of globalization. It's the history of the dark side of capitalism. It's the history of where systemic injustice stems from. It's the history that follows us until today. Bringing this up is not tarnishing history, quite the contrary. History is what happened. Learning history and its hard truths is an incredible way to see patterns, to understand humanity. Learning an edited history is not learning. It's not history. It's propaganda. Brainwashing. Not learning about the really dark parts of history means also not learning about the incredible people who fought against it, like Toussaint Louverture, who led the successful slave revolt in Haiti, 
or the Jesuit priests who kept fighting against slavery of indigenous people. Learning their history is fascinating too, because they themselves were far from perfect people. They themselves, who fought for equality and freedom, had their doubts, their failings. But some of them prevailed, and we must learn from them. And finally, let's not forget one thing. Those slaves that first came to Portugal in 1444, they are Portuguese too. This is their history too. Antonio and Isabel, who came on board the White Lion in 1619 to Virginia, their son William is the first known African child to have been born in America, and under the law of the time, he was born a free man. This is incredible. Really, factually, African Americans have been here in the US just as long as European Americans. Tell that to anyone that tells you otherwise. This is their history. This is American history. This is world history. It's often grim. It's often disheartening. But it's real. It's a truth. It's our own history. Honoring it is the only way forward. If that means facing uncomfortable truths, so be it. I, for one, I will not be afraid to learn. I will not be afraid to change my mind. And I will not be afraid to make a difference.